Hello and welcome back on the island, episode number seven of Survivor Season 39, Island of the Idols. We are here on the Island Podcast to talk some more Survivor action, some more social action, a lot of important conversations happening in the last two weeks on Survivor. I am your host, Taylor Gaines, and with me on the other line... Who is this guy? I don't know him. He can barely make eye contact when I talk with him sometimes. It's Tyler B. Commons. I can't even stand his face, but I have to look in a mirror every day, so I've gotten used to it. (laughs) It's me. I'm here. Hey, Ty. How are you? Oh, I'm out here living. Life is is coming at (laughs) you. Hey, that's the one truth. Life always comes at you. Comes at you fast. Ty, last week on this podcast, we talked about Jamal and Jack working through some racially charged comments to come out the other side, better friends. Jamal said in an interview this week, where do we go from there? Where's the compassion? Where's the empathy? Where's the room for progress on these issues? We should strive to open our minds to something that sounds more like, I don't understand this. This seems like it matters to a lot of people different from me. How can I learn more about what's going on here and then incorporate that understanding into my own life for the purpose of reducing harm caused for those I care about? Jack taught us how to do that. I'm going to take his lead. And sure enough, Ty, Jamal found himself on the other end of the stick this week as the person offending and had to exhibit some vulnerability of his own, some willingness to listen in a situation where he stumbled into some slightly sexist-charged remarks, I guess. And uh, things got pretty interesting at Tribal Council once again. So I think we should talk about that before we dive into the strategy for the second (laughs) week in a row. Because it took up a lot of the episode. I don't know if you were one of those people who was like, wow, there's a lot of time left and we're just getting to Tribal already? Mm, I I was noticing that we were going to have a long time for discussion. I don't know where I fall on Jamal's comments because it seems to me that him bringing up an all-girls alliance, and I think Dalton Ross talked about this excellently, Kelly claimed she was offended of the talk of an all-girls alliance, you know, just look at numbers. And, you know, Jana had great moments and whatever, and I'm sure we're going to break down all that. But like Dalton Ross said, before this episode, we got to see both tribes bringing up the idea of an all-girls alliance. So how can you then turn and claim that you're offended by somebody offering up an idea that you've had and talked about? I, I don't... It's a tough line to walk because you don't want to sit here. I think I think Janet said the best thing, but it, it just doesn't seem that seems very two faced um, for Kelly to be in discussion in All Girls Alliance and then be offended that someone brings up an All Girls Alliance. And I don't I don't know how to balance that because in one way uh, I think she's totally right. Everyone just talks about All Girl Alliances, but yeah, you so never talk about like Jack and Jamal being an All Guy yeah. Alliance. You so know what I'm let's, saying? Let's back this up a little bit because I think this one is a little more layered and complex than the last week's incident because mm. 
like you said, like there was certainly talk of it. And if you read Jack's interview, I believe he says Nora in particular was like big on using the phrase all girls Alliance or all women's Alliance and like Mm -hmm. really pushing that. But it's almost like semantic or language based in a sense to me this time around, because I think the objection is less to do with the existence of such an alliance and more so with the framing of it because essentially what happened was Jamal said he felt afraid because he was worried about an all women's alliance where they could just team up against him and take him out. Well, and I think that you said it I don't want to I don't want to come off sounding like an all girls alliance existed but but just the assumption that because there was four girls three guys an all girls alliance is going to exist and i think that's why janet's comment was so poignant when she's like just because we're all girls doesn't mean we're gonna work together like that's putting us in a box or that's doing well and i think that's the most salient point kelly made too right is like no one ever talks about an all men's alliance Mm-hmm. in the way that they talk about all women's alliances where people will specifically be like, Oh, what about an all girls alliance? But if there's an all guys alliance, it's not talked about in like that threatening way, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I thought was a good point. But like you said, there there was talk of this sort of happening. And I also thought the moment was handled kind of strangely, especially in the context of this episode, which we can talk about too, where, Jeff tried to tie it into Me Too and Time's Up, but I believe, like, used those phrases specifically. Whereas last week we got to witness Jack and Jamal just sitting and talking something out. It felt a little more awkward to me to have Jeff try to make it into a moment, you know? Like, last week was a moment because Mm -hmm. it was a moment, and this was a moment because he was like, this is a survivor moment. (laughs) But even... I did notice, interestingly, and maybe it's because I do analyze this show, there was two comments, I don't remember who said them, that made me think there was going to be talk about the sexes and the way that they interact with each other before Tribal even got to it. it was, And it wasn't like, hey, this is what's coming. It was like, People were saying, I think one of them had to do with Dan, who, again, had a terrible look. But I think it was when the women were talking about Dan. Well, but and this then, is the real, that's the other problem, Ty. Like, it's this is why it was particularly weird for Jeff to pat himself on the back. Because you can't really have an episode where Dean is randomly shown groping someone in the middle of the night. Dan. Everyone talks about it. Nothing is addressed and nothing happens. And then later in the episode, you're like... Wow, look at us talking about social issues. We do such a great job. Like, he had a literal Me Too moment and they basically ignored it. And that's like, that's why it's so interesting. I knew a conversation like this was coming and I think the episode set it up, but I agree with you that Jeff sort of moderating a tribal council that steered so far clear of the game. I think we talk about survivors at its best when it's not just focused on gameplay and idols and challenges and all that stuff but then like you said it felt natural with jack and jamal but to see jeff moderate an entire tribal council based around this non-gameplay factor 
did feel a little bit odd. Yeah, and I just think, like, we talked about this a few weeks ago when Dean first started doing Weird Crap, is, like, that's got to be addressed if you're going to tout yourself as a show that's going to address this, I guess. So uh, who's to say what happened out there, whether his tribe talked to him in ways they're not showing or if producers said anything to him or whatever. But it just was strange in the context of this episode. Obviously, like you said, Kelly handled herself well and Janet spoke up really well, which another kind of awkward moment where Jeff was like, as an old woman, like, (laughs) what's this like for you? And I was like, come on. But yeah, like her talk about how everyone needed to be in this together to get past something like this, to assume women are going to bond based on gender is very negative, as you pointed out. And then she said, you can't be a powerful woman without men and women backing you. And that this game should be about humanizing each person individually. And I think that's the main thing, right? Is like these people and and people in general don't want to be put into boxes because like that's lazy and oftentimes a way to put people down of just like, yeah, you're a woman, so you're going to want to team up with other women. And it kind of takes away this like <laughs> aspect of their intelligence and, while also attributing them with a weird amount of like deception, I guess, where if he had said, yeah, I think uh, I'm worried about these three or these four because they seem like they want to vote together. Maybe that's different. Maybe you could still have the same discussion, but at least in that case, you're addressing them as individual humans. Yeah. it It's tough because mentally your brain draws conclusions so if there's something that you've seen played up i.e a women's alliance that gets mentioned i'm not going to say every season but it feels like it's mentioned every season then you're immediately going to continue to draw that box so it's like and i guess that's kelly's point too right is how often does that actually come together (laughs) like it doesn't it doesn't come together often but it's always talked about so how do you keep if i were to go out there I think at some point I'm going to be like, oh, look around. There's six women and there's four men. Are they going to do an all-women alliance? You know, right. And it's, just, yeah. it's weird because I think that's a negative thing to do, but I don't know if you can just demand everybody to change the way their mind works immediately, if that makes sense. Yeah, like that's it's why a these social discussions project, have to happen. right? Yeah, like yeah. it's... It's not a thing that happens overnight, and that's why, whether you agree or disagree in this specific instance, it's important to have these conversations so that we can move in that general direction overall. Because, Mm -hmm. like you said, this was complicated, and it's in the context of a game, and there actually was talk of this potentially happening among at least a couple people. And that doesn't invalidate the overall point. So it's like a matter of just you know, this is the thread between this week and last week is just listening and being open. And I'm I'm glad that this cast is the cast going through these things because they seem like a particularly open and empathetic group that's like very willing to listen and work together to just keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, again, 
I'm going to reference Dalton Ross because he just writes so many things. Talking about these gender alliances, he says... <laughs> so many words. You, <laughs> yeah. But if you'll find just as... But you will find just as much dissension and defection in pretty much any reality show alliance, regardless of gender. Again, if people ever talked about a men's alliance, air quotes, they would assuredly break up just as easily. And I think that's that's where it's interesting because people categorically want to throw women into these boxes of, well, they're together. They're going to form an alliance and they're going to take out us men that have been on top for so long, you know, keep women down. I think that's the furthest assumption people have when they think of this. And that's the mentality people are fighting against. Yeah. Like, and this is the kind of thing that it kind of occasionally surprises me. And I'm sure I can surprise myself too. Like I'm not saying I'm perfect, but it occasionally surprises me to hear people and the way they talk about gender still. Like I, I heard someone the other day make what I guess was a joke, but sounded kind of serious of this thing of like, I'm not going to name names, but they, they didn't think girls would understand their sense of humor and their reasoning was girls aren't clever enough. <laughs> and I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> where do we start here? But mm-hmm. like, like you said, it's hard in the context of reality show too, especially this one because survivor and we've talked about this recently, like, uh, Angelina brought up a lot of stuff about gender and her season. And like survivor has had real issues with the way it treats and edits its female players over the seasons. And like, you can even find pretty easily on Twitter, like criticism of the way Jeff handles reunion shows where like he mostly just wants to talk to his bros. (laughs) And we've joked before about the way he does in challenges where he's like, Oh yeah, look at Chris lifting everyone. And then like, Oh, Karishma sucks. You know, (laughs) like he, he is kind of guilty of that pretty often too. So like it's, it's a complicated thing. And I'm not going to sit here and try to help us come to some conclusion or verdict on it right now. I think it's just a matter of like repeating what we said last week, and I <laughs> which think is that just this is... being willing to listen and work. Yeah. And I think like what you just said is the perfect example of where I think the only conclusion of this discussion can go is Somebody like Jeff, who you can find all over Twitter, people getting hate because he wants to hang with his bros or whatever, is also willing to sit down and have this discussion. He's also willing to moderate. Whether he does that well or doesn't do that well, I don't think is as big a deal as the fact that Jeff is willing to lead these people in a discussion that we generally don't get to see day in and day out in our lives. Doesn't mean he's always going to do it well. Doesn't mean you and I are always going to do it well on this podcast. But the fact that he's willing to allow those people to have that discussion and do his best to bring positive progress in that sense is where it should be. Yeah, I think that's a really important point because people will give you leeway if you're just someone who's willing to be there and and not get overly defensive because you feel insulted i guess although that's sort of you know a tricky way to word it also i just think that this was handled well by the contestants maybe not as well by the show and i should make sure 
we were talking about Dan before. I don't know if I accidentally said Dean. You did. But the one who was groping people and stuff was Dan and not Dean because Dean was at the Lyro Tribal Council, the one who was part of a pretty big move, Ty. And I think we should transition to that about as awkwardly as the show did and (laughs) just get right into it because they went straight from a long conversation about sexism to probably the most exciting tribal council move we've seen all season. It was, and I'm really sitting here trying to figure out exactly why Kelly made the move. So if somehow so, you're listening to this and didn't see it, Kelly yeah, played ahead. her played her idol for Dean, who was pretty much an she gave it to Dean, easy who send it. home. It, yeah, she gave it, which... Oh, you're right. That is a very key point because she gave it to Dean and still voted for Dean. I don't know if I've ever seen something that incredible. Yeah, there was a layer of complexity to this plan that we were not privy to in the viewing of the episode. Because when they actually showed the vote breakdown, I was like, wait, what? Nora and Dean voted for Jack and Kelly stuck with her group. So Mm -hmm. I was a little unsure what was happening (laughs) although i did see it pointed out that somewhere else in the episode that must have just flashed by me dean made mention of oh nora's in on this blind side something might happen so clearly kelly had had a conversation with nora and dean about this happening and just kind of left it open as an option for herself and i guess decided not to vote with them to like protect her position in the group as long as Dean keeps his mouth shut. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a power move because Kelly and I really loved the way that they showed her coming Very up with cool. This. Whether that's true or not, How- <laughs> she's sitting here in one of her confessionals and she goes, wait, hold on. Hold on. I just thought of something. Give me a second. Okay, what if I give Dean who I still want to play with, my idol, but I don't vote with him, and then tell Nora something, like, because Nora will literally do anything, because she might be insane. By the way, great job, Survivor, accidentally influencing a huge move by part of her reasoning being, oh yeah, me and Dean, we know each other from outside the game, so (laughs) I kind of want to keep playing with him. But yeah, like like his (laughs) ex-girlfriend. Just like a wild moment there where it shows her in that confessional. I wonder if that happens very often where someone literally has a revelation in front of a camera like that. But I found the move to be thrilling. I don't know if it will work because she now has to rely on Dean to keep his mouth shut. Because he can probably find his way in to blowing the game up by telling everyone what happened. Obviously, he would lose her trust, but like it might prolong his life because at this point Dean is part of what is still slightly a minority seven to six from the original, uh, Lyro group. Yeah. I, I worry that Kelly didn't fully think about it. I think the move itself was brilliantly planned and it was awesome and it was exciting to see, an idol used this way and done well. But I think that, like you're saying, Dean still being 
on the minority. He just he there's too much unknown with Dean. It, I don't know where his loyalty lies. Now it feels like it's going to be with Kelly. But then where does Kelly's loyalty lies? We get to next week we're going to get the merge which they all talked about middle of the episode which I thought was really interesting. But where are yeah, these lines going to Everyone fall? just knows when it's going to happen now. Yeah, is it going to actually be 7-6 or are we going to see totally new alliances? Are we going to see an all girls alliance? Are we going to see an all guys <laughs> alliance? I'm just kidding. But yeah, I don't I don't know where Dean is going to break down. Is he going to stay loyal to Kelly or is he going to see this as a time where he can leverage that to his advantage? Well, the other crazy part of this we haven't talked about is Jamal burned his idol. We've seen a lot of people go home this season with idols in their pocket and he was going to make sure that wasn't going to happen, but not in the way you would think. Because when he stood up, I thought for sure he was going to play it for himself after all the mm-hmm. talk of him feeling threatened. But played it for Nora. And that took me a second to figure out, too, because I was like, wait, why? And I think his logic was essentially assuming that there were going to be six votes for Dean and then thinking, well, who will Dean vote for? And trying to just guess. Mm. So tough look for him, but you had to know something was going to go wrong for Jamal in this episode because there was a sequence before Tribal where he said, and I wrote down all of these quotes, four separate quotes. Number one, this vote is probably the safest I've felt. Number two, (laughs) wow, congratulations on making it to the merge, he said to someone. And then number three, I'm not going to make an emotional vote. This, This is an easy vote. Number four, I don't see how it makes sense to anyone to deviate from this vote. And that was like back to back to back to back, just four mm. quotes that I was like, well, something's going to happen. <laughs> Look, Survivor's got new storytellers. They're they're setting us up with the old bait. Like 100% the last five seasons, I would have been like, oh, Jamal's going home. But now it's like... It's a little oh, more complex, yeah. Maybe he's not going to go home from now on. <laughs> like he's going to be dead wrong about something, but he might not go home. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Tried and true trick there. So, yeah, like a really crazy move and a big couple of weeks for the original Lyro, if you want to go that way, because now they've got it back down to 7-6 after being down Mm 9-6. So, like, gotten themselves back in the game a little bit. I think uh, things will still probably fall apart next week when the merge happens, but there were definitely some winners and losers we could take away from this. And we will do that when we get into our power rankings a little bit later. I did want to note that Boston Rob did an interview this week, and he specifically did call out Jamal, actually, when asked about people he liked. He liked Janet a lot, too, as you could tell if you watched this episode, and we will talk about her. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But he said, I think Jamal has a pretty good understanding of who he is in this game, and I think that's one of the most important things you need going into Survivor. I've always maintained that Survivor is not the place to go and try to figure out and find out who you are as a person, even though people constantly do. And I think Jamal has a strong understanding of who he is and why he's out there and what he's trying to accomplish. And I think that bodes well for him. Yeah, I've been I've been impressed with his gameplay. And like we said, he's kind of been surrounded by larger social issues. But it also seems like he knows how to rope people in. He knows how to have relationships. Him and Jack were essentially ride or die. 
Although there was a weird stretch of this episode where everyone was like, I hate Jamal. He's not letting me make fire. He's annoying. Like, that seemed to come out of nowhere and then go away just as quick. It was. I I chalked that up to them being tired, them being out there for over two weeks now and not having food. And, like, I feel like at that point anything's going to set people off. And like you said, that was a bad look for him. But I still feel like overall, more people like him than dislike him. Except from Nora. I don't know if Nora likes him or doesn't like him. I can't figure yeah, that I one out. I think she used the phrase cut his throat at some point in this episode. <laughs> so not sure she loves him. No, I'm not sure she loves him. But she sees the strategy in staying hitched to his wagon, I guess. But yeah, I thought that was an interesting point from Rob because of this idea of like, if you're out there to figure yourself out on Survivor, you're not going to win. <laughs> and I think that's fun to think about because you see that happen so often. Like, And I, I think that kind of speaks to a human confidence thing where just if you're a confident person, you're generally going to do better in mm-hmm. society. <laughs> but not always, you know. Uh, a couple of things from Jack before we say goodbye to him forever. Although, surprise, he is going to be on the jury. Yeah, well, I don't even. Uh, has, uh, <laughs> what? Well, there are thirteen people left, so if he's on the jury, knock out ten more. It's an eleven-person jury with three people at the end. Yeah, it just—it's super odd. He didn't make the merge. He doesn't deserve to get the recognition. I'm sorry. I liked you, yeah, Jack. Take but that. Come on, bro. <laughs> Come Good on, for Survivor, him, what are you doing? <laughs> he said that him and Jamal did discuss splitting the vote. But, and this was the brilliant thing about Kelly's move, specifically within the context of this episode. They said, oh no, it's not worth it because he doesn't have an idol. If he had an idol, he would have played it at the last tribal council. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, that's sort of a fun wrinkle to it. I knew instantly, as soon as I saw that second vote, I was like, Kelly betrayed me. Because Kelly and I had one of those relationships where it was hot and cold strategically. I trusted her, then I didn't trust her. And although I didn't realize the whole complexity of the plan, I was definitely like, damn, I know Kelly just did something. Uh, He closed off the conversation for now about him and Jamal saying, they were basically best friends in the game the whole time. Inseparable, made an alliance together, both blindsided. Felt very comfortable with him from an ally standpoint, even more so as a friend. In this kind of environment, you really cling on to the relationships you have. And I had a very solid one with Jamal. And then of the moment with the do-rag comment, he said, I felt very comfortable with Jamal as a friend. So I felt comfortable making what I thought would be a joke. And I knew immediately that it was not a very tasteful thing to say. I'm grateful that CBS highlighted the moment. But I'm also grateful more specifically that Jamal didn't define me through that moment. And it shows that regardless of how aware I feel based on my personal living experience, we, specifically myself, can always be learning things and moving forward. Isn't that what it's all about? Learning and moving forward while remembering the past. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so past, present, future, all at once, always. Past, perfect, present, future tense. One other fun thing about Jack is apparently he sang all the time, constantly. And you can see this if you look on the, I believe, Entertainment Weekly interview. There's a deleted scene of him walking around singing about crabs. Like, he's basically like, we're gonna eat crabs tonight. We're gonna eat crabs tonight. We're gonna eat crabs tonight. And he just keeps singing, like, the same line over and over. He said that 
people got mad at him and told him to stop. <laughs> and the uh, producers told him, you can't always be doing that or else we're not going to be able to use anything. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Uh, I was always making up my own songs. There was actually one moment that I wish was shown from original Vokai and it was about to start raining and we're about to get drenched and we know we're about to get drenched. And then me, Jamal, and Lauren started. Jamal started doing a low bass tone. Lauren was clapping. And I started a big song about how it's going to rain on Survivor. And the entire first 12 days after that moment, we started singing that song nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun when also, you get to hear about um, these people genuinely enjoying themselves with each other. Yeah, I think... I could watch a Survivor episode that's more of that than strategy and probably enjoy it just as much. Mm-hmm. As a way of transitioning into Island of the Idols, I'll tell you what Jack said about it. By the way, I'm looking at my notes and laughing about Karishma and the moment where she talked to the camera at the vote and said, I'm nailing you on my first try. Stay dry, sweetheart. <laughs> Tough look. Tough look, and I think that could be one of those things that we don't really get to hear people talk anymore. Why point out something bad Karishma did again? Yeah. Just to play devil's advocate. I bad think that's a much CBS. longer conversation <laughs> that we may have delved into a little bit earlier in this episode. But yeah, I think it was still funny just to watch someone be that brazenly wrong about something. Mm-hmm. So... Jack said, everyone that came back from Island of the Idols basically told the same exact lie. Same story. So based on the information that we have, we have no reason to believe that that's not the truth. We knew when Nora came back, she was not telling the whole truth. But, you know, like, <laughs> it's it's weird. But, you know, it's Nora. <laughs> to watch this happen over and over again because there's no real good explanation other than causing paranoia as to why the producers are forcing people into this uncomfortable position where they have to lie. (laughs) Yeah. And it's hard. I guess at least they're giving the same story, but Janet, I thought, was the first person who handled the visit to Island of the Idols just, like, really well from beginning to end. Yeah, I think she went and she kept her head, but when she came back, she had... She's like, there's a probability game, 50-50. I could either win an advantage or I couldn't, and I, I didn't. So, here you go. This is this is me now. <laughs> yeah, she showed him everything. Mm, little little too much. I like that she apologized to the, the guy <laughs> driving the boat. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was, that was a funny reaction. I think um, Andy Denner pointed out how effectively she sort of took down Island of the Idols in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, she basically explained out loud why Island of the Idols sucks for <laughs> the people who have to go there, telling mm-hmm. Robin Sandra that even being there made her a target. She almost immediately rejected his offer, which, <laughs> again, did not come with any real lesson because, like, what lessons have there actually been? <laughs> she calculated the risk and chose against it. So, but she would so have done more that like either a, a way. Mind, it was a mind game type lesson. It was. It was she, inception. She, she learned the lesson on her own. She was already asleep. And I just thought she handled it so well. Because even Rob, when she said no, he was like, why? <laughs> she was like, oh, because it's bad for me. I don't want to do it. Yeah, she's like, this is going to paint a target on my back. A, I have one, and I told you that because I came here. 
B, if I get up and walk out of tribal and Jeff's like, oh, okay, this is allowed, by the way. Everyone's going to think, what the heck just happened? I'm, I painted a huge target on my back. And she wasn't overwhelmed by Rob and Sandra being Rob and Sandra. I really kind of liked that attitude. She walked up and she's like, yeah, let's hang out. Tell, tell me what you need to tell me. She wasn't like overblown. Um, how did you like the Island of the Idols flashback? I think you alluded to it earlier slightly, but uh, we get to talk about white guy in jeans once again. Oh, do we have to? I mean, they did make a case. They made the case for him winning, which is like he made <laughs> one huge move and it blew everyone away. And mm-hmm. like we said this at the time, like he played as well as he possibly could have in the right. moments that he had remaining in the game. So good for him. Interesting that that was the example of calculated risk, but makes sense. It's recent. People get it. <laughs> They'd had to justify last season existing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I don't know the idols. I don't know how it's going to evolve as we go into the merch here based off of the teaser. I'd be surprised if your prediction last week came true mm-hmm. that, the entire cast is actually going to go live with Rob and Sandra for the remainder of the game. <laughs> but I would still love that. Yeah, it's a, it was a fun theory. It was a fun theory to think about for a week. Worth noting, too, that next week's episode will be two hours long. So get ready for that, America. Sick. Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Ty. I think the only other thing I wanted to talk about in this episode was the dynamic over at Vokai. We alluded to it with what was happening with Dan, but they have four original Lyro, Elaine, Elizabeth, Missy, and Aaron, and three original Vokai, Dan, Lauren, and Tommy. And we had a bit of an extended sequence featuring Tommy and Lauren, who are apparently the best of friends out there, trying to throw Dan under the bus for their own well-being and safety. Yeah, not a good look for Tommy this week. Tommy seemed like he was emotionally rattled and unstable and not able to think. Wasn't that also just such a nice, loving picture of a friendship, though, where Lauren was like, you know, there are going to be times where I'm going to be down and I need you to pick me up. And there are times when you're down and I need to pick you up. And let's just let's lift each other up, man. I just thought that was nice. It was. It was it was heartfelt and it was good. I I would just say Lauren looked a lot better than Tommy this week. Tommy, who we've been saying is getting the winner's edit, didn't look like he was getting the winner's edit this week. He looked like he was crying every single time we got to see his face. He's just stressed out, man. It's a tough spot. It is. But luckily they can uh gang up on uh Dan and just keep pointing out how Which... much he touches people. <laughs> I guess didn't work. Like, I think it was Missy who was like, I know what they're up to. Nice try, you guys. Well, Missy's, I think Missy is just one of the better players we have in this game because she analyzes every situation so oh, man. clearly. She's and so always calm. ready to go. She's so, yeah, she's so good. She's playing this game so hard. Some other highlights from this episode before we get into our power rankings. I enjoyed the quote from Rob saying, I was born at night, but not last night. (laughs) I enjoyed his interview with Entertainment Weekly where he talked about their little spy shack there in Tribal Council. He said, it's hot, man. 
it's really hot. There's no air conditioning in that little thing, and we were stuck up there for two hours straight every couple nights. It was really cool to be able to just look down. They had no idea we were there, obviously. There were little slits in the bamboo, and I was concerned. I was like, how do they not see us? We can see them, but apparently they had a light shining down right from that area, so there was no way they could see them. Just hidden in a hot box. Elaine said butt hurt on national TV. That was a fun moment that apparently happened. Don't feel butt hurt, man. Nora took too much rice, I guess. That's pretty much it. Yeah, fairly f- fairly uneventful game-wise, if that makes sense. We, again, Other than we the biggest move of, of the season. <laughs> it, it was a big move. The loudest move of the season, for yes, sure. Yes, it doesn't feel super consequential just yet we'll have to see next week when the original tribes get back together yeah i mean this is when the game really starts right this is like as you like to say this is the playoffs we've made it through the regular season and now it's crunch time everyone can be voted out at any moment it's like just a race to the finish now yep all right ty Let's get into our power rankings, our final pre-merge power rankings, where we have to go back and forth debating whether it's more important to be on the winning tribe or the losing tribe. (laughs) We will rank our top three for this week, and then when we return, they'll all be united. So who you got number three for this week, Ty? Number three, we've talked about her a lot, Missy. I think Missy did really well. She saw right through the uh, plan of Lauren and... Tommy and I think that she just has such a good handle on what's happening I'm a little worried that she's playing the game so hard and people are going to notice soon now when everybody's together but I think her and Aaron are doing well and I think she's doing better than Aaron so for that I've got her number three I also have Missy number three (gasps) pretty much the same reasons I just think she's one of the stronger strategic players out there we got to see her exhibit her analytical skills a little bit in this episode even though she wasn't involved in any direct action and uh just just a strong player i think she's going to be able to move all over the place once things get mixed up definitely a likable person definitely someone who i could see getting along with anybody really yeah and i I still think last week's vote of like exhibiting loyalty for that one vote is gonna help her and aaron a lot probably Mm-hmm. So for sure, who's who's your number two? Number two, we've talked about her a lot. I got Kelly. I think Kelly um, orchestrated a move that, in a way that I have never seen, and I think she may have pulled it off. Uh, obviously, that remains to be seen. Um, who's going to figure it out? What Dean's going to do with his bit of info? But the fact that she pulled off an exciting move like that, even though it may have just been for excitement's sake, shows that she has a very keen mind. And I, I just, I feel like hmm. that was on display this week. Keen mind. <laughs> My number two for this week is Janet. Just looked great in front of Rob and Sandra. She seems like she's escaped the stereotypical fate of the oldest player in the cast, which is just being one of the first to be voted out. And I feel like she's actually in an amazing position now because she has a lot of friends. She's made it to the merge. People aren't really going to view her as as a 
immediate physical threat. And if she can exhibit the skills she was showing off at Island of the Idols and also handle the social game as well as she did in Tribal and find her way into a powerful alliance, make a couple moves, look out, Ty. Our friend Janet could do big things. Well, you had her too. I actually had her at number one this week for all the reasons you said. She handled Island of Idols probably better than anyone I've ever seen. Everybody still just loves Janet and the way that the tribe listens to her. And then even Jeff, who notably doesn't call on women to speak up very often, was like, Janet, what do you think? And whether he did that well or not, Janet spoke up, Janet listened, and I think she said some things in a really positive way. And for that reason, Janet, number one, she doesn't seem to be in danger. Yeah, and I flipped you. I have Kelly number one. Hmm. I just have not ever seen a move quite like that that was pulled off in such a quiet but like powerful way where if it does work out the way she wants it to, she can sit at Final Tribal and say, Dean, I did this, right? And he'll be like, yeah. you." I mean, assuming he's on the jury, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, He'll say, yeah, you you did that. No one knew about it, and it was huge. You basically... Because this is similar to Aaron last week where we talked about him having all the power of who he decided would go home. And she was in this position where she single-handedly could decide who was going to go home without anyone knowing she was doing it. Mm-hmm. And that is just an insane amount of power. So hats off to her for that. Pulling off a move in a creative way and getting someone voted out who she considered a threat. Did she potentially take out someone too soon who was maybe not a threat for a while? Possibly. But I'll give her number one for this week. There you have it. Our top three, an all-female top three. I was going to say alliance just again to keep <laughs> keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's the tricky thing with conversations about equality too is – you want to call attention to it to make sure that it happens, but you don't want to call attention to it like <laughs> in that way either, you know? Yeah. You don't want to overemphasize something that doesn't need to be emphasized, even though it still needs to be emphasized. <laughs> exactly. I think sense. that's a perfect way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough, but every day, keep working, keep making up ground. We'll see what happens. We'll see if you and I can ever escape this island. Doesn't feel like it. (laughs) I have to get back to the island! No, Jack! (laughs) Spoilers. Spoiler alert. That's all the spoilers we have for this week about Survivor Season 39. For my co-host, Tyler B. Commons, I'm Taylor P. Gaines. Go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wherever you might listen, follow us on Twitter at On the Island Pod, on Instagram, all those fun things. And you can listen back to all of our episodes with all of our favorite people from over the years. They're right there in the feed. Ty, any last words? Even though I already said goodbye for you. Just want to acknowledge that uh, we did lose Rudy. I, you and I never talked to him on this podcast, but we've talked to Joe, who loves him. Um, and if Joe loves him, That means I love him. Yeah, goodbye to one of the very first Survivor players. Season one. 
Season 1, age of 72. The oldest player to ever play the game. 45-year military veteran, United States Navy SEAL, and uh, got a little tribute at the end of the episode. So rest in peace to Rudy. Happy Veterans Day or whatever the right word is to everyone on Monday. And until next time, that's all for us. We will talk to you then. Bye. I'm not good at making these things up as well. <laughs> that is right.